Welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Talent. I'm your host, Joe Zero Jr., and with me tonight is Zach Donathan from Donathan Racing Products. How's it going tonight, Zach? I'm doing excellent. How about you, Joe? I'm doing well. Uh, was able to race this weekend. Um, did okay and all that stuff. And yeah, just loving RC life again. So, that's awesome, man. That's what it's all about. For sure, for sure. Um, so for listeners, we're not going to go through your whole backstory again. So listeners, if you want to hear Zach's backstory, how he got racing and how he started Donathan Racing Products, go back to episode number 14, and we cover just about all of that stuff. Um been since april since i've had you on it feels like it was a lot it feels like it was wasn't that long ago no really april april wow yeah and you're uh doing a couple rounds too it looks like you're doing the mbm podcast here soon yeah um that is the uh the next podcast i have an interview with him on tuesday yeah, Matthew Housen's a man, I'll tell you that much. He's um, I'm, one of the better RC ambassadors out there. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he seemed like a really cool guy, and I'm super stoked to have the privilege to be interviewed at all um, or to, to really promote uh, uh, the product in any other uh, form. And I'm uh, super grateful for you to have me on here, not just once, but twice. Oh, you're awesome guy to have on. Um, so let's start talking about um, the new inertia screws you got in. We were talking about that back in April, and recently you've been getting more product in. You've recently got the aluminum stuff. You've got the tungsten screws, and you have the steel screws. So yeah, uh, sorry. I I was wondering. So I, I've tried the aluminum screws myself. Um, I actually messed a couple up because I put them where they weren't supposed to go. I'm like the heads are yeah. so deep that no way it'll go bad. It it went bad, but I put them in places where they should go, and they're super strong. The head depth is super deep on the aluminum. I messed around a little bit with the steel, same deal, but why don't you actually start out by telling us about the tungsten screws, because those are the most interesting, I think. They are. Um, they're the most interesting until everyone hears the price tag, but I'll save that for yeah. um, a little bit into this. So uh, the tungsten screws are a tungsten alloy um, mixture that's proprietary to DRC. Uh, we worked with... Um, inertia to get the formula um really good um so that it will uh hold up to some extreme abuse um if um uh, looking at the the test numbers from them compared to like um a grade 10.9 uh steel screw now mm -hmm. all the specs on them are actually better um so um, what that means is they're stronger, um, they should hold up better, and they, um, you know, they look good doing it. Um, 
one of the downsides to the tungsten screws is because they're made out of tungsten, um, they are harder to work with. And as one of the characteristics of tungsten, it uh, is actually the most non-radioactive metal, or it takes the most heat to heat this up, uh, being the, mo- um, the only non-radioactive metal. Um, it's 6,000 degrees, whereas like a typical steel uh, starts building at like 2,000 degrees. Wow. Um, so you're, you cool off a lot quicker and because of that, um, the defect rate and then the, um, like the, the number of unusable products from the factory is much higher than we'll say just steel screws. Um, so because of that, uh, we opted to put a slot in a slot drive into them instead of the broach text drive. Um, we could have done the broach drive, but it would have made them three times more expensive than they already are. Exactly. And they're already a little bit expensive, but personally, I think they sound like a very excellent option for on-road vehicle to get that weight as low as possible. Yeah. So, um, a little bit about tungsten screws. Um, and I want to preface this by saying that they're not for everybody. Like we don't expect everyone to go out and buy them because they're not, um, they're really not needed, um, until you're trying to find that last tenth. Right. Uh, I think that's really where it comes into, to play. Um, so the tungsten screws, uh, I'll pull up the release here on the website here real quick, but they're, uh, a lot heavier than steel or brass, lead, any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm getting to it on the website here. So, uh, they're 225% heavier than steel, 200% heavier than brass and 150% heavier than lead. Um, for five screws that weigh in at 4.3 grams, um, which is an M3 by six countersunk versus, uh, 1.8 grams for the same, uh, same steel screws. Okay. So you can really dial in where you're putting that weight also then. Yeah. And does it come with its own special screwdriver when you buy a couple of them? If you buy 10 or more, uh, we include a uh, special inertia driver that fits them perfectly. Okay. Um, and it is, I mean, it, when you, so the issue we found initially with the samples testing Yep. is that we uh, messed up a few heads because we weren't using um, a good screwdriver. Okay. And so I started to notice on some of the screws we were testing that the heads were getting, uh, like, gnarled up okay. where the driver would, like, stop yep. or if it was undersized or something. So I found a, uh, a driver that was really close for the next sample set that we had, and it ended up working out really well. Um and so with the last sample set we got, I bought a driver, um, and it fit perfectly. And now I was using the, the screws. I've, I'm still using the, uh, pre-production screws in my car. Yep. Excuse me. Um, and they've been through, those are the ones we use for durability testing. Okay. Um, for six months ago. So we put them in like the bumper and the arm mounts, um, the bulkheads, right. uh, to see if we could get them to break. Yeah. And uh, we luckily we didn't break any, and um, so they're still kicking. Um, and this was six months ago. Nice. 
That that's excellent. Um, will you sell the screwdriver um, separately? Uh, we could. Um, I haven't thought about it honestly. All right. Well, I was just thinking because you know a lot of people might just buy four. Oh, we sell them in sets of threes and three. tens. Sorry, yeah, three. Huh. Well, that's a yeah. Uh, I guess I should uh, consider selling or uh, adding that to the um, to the lineup. Yep. Um, so this is mainly for on-road wood. Off-road guys find any benefit to this, or is this mainly touring car and twelve scale? Well, so the issue becomes off-road cars need longer screws. They right. need like 10 and like 12 mil screws for a lot of the the, um, the chassis screws. Yeah. Um, and there's some places you can use like 6 and 8s, but there's only a, a handful. Yeah, like this, um, the C-block in the B6 is probably the only place you could really get a 6 in there. Yeah, I mean, even with an 8... Uh, I think the guards take eight on there, but you really don't want the weight over all the way on the outside like that. Correct. Um, So it's kind of, I guess the answer is unless your car takes eight mil or less size for off-road, I would say no. Because once you get to 10 mil, you get to a break-even point for the center of gravity with the screw. Uh Um, so essentially what that means is the screw is now sticking above the chassis, mm-hmm. um, we'll say nine millimeters with a 10 mil screw. Right. So now you have extra weight up high as opposed to getting that weight down low. Okay. See, and this makes a lot of sense and people have been wondering about that. I know. And I have also, cause like I've said on previous episodes right now, I'm just on a big off road kick. But um, Andrew Mowry from MMR is doing his own Can-Am series locally here. That might give me the 12-scale kick here pretty soon. I, I, yeah. I, I like when you take the motor game out of it. <laughs> so now that that covers the tungsten screws. They sound like an excellent option. They are a little bit more spendy. But, I mean, you could put them, you could take them out of, I know people get a new car every year, sometimes two. You can take them out, replace them, all that stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, real quick to finish up on the tungsten screws. Sure. Um, if you use the inertia driver with the screws, uh, I suspect you can use them for many seasons. Uh, obviously, well, I guess we have a little bit longer than six months on them now, but, uh, you know, they're. I don't have a – I don't see an issue – um, coming up with durability in these screws, um, especially as long as you use the inertia screwdriver on them, they'll last as long as you take care of them. Um, which brings us to the price of ten dollars a screw, right? Um, and we do offer a quantity discount if you buy thirty screws. Okay. Um, and you do get a free screwdriver if you buy uh, ten or more, um, and uh, that's just kind of the cost. No, um, I, and a I lot get of people. It. You know, it's a turnoff for them. It is, but you're not, I mean, I know you, you sell everything at a reasonable price, but you need to make your profit. You're not ripping people off. It's just what it is. And when you're looking for that little bit extra. I mean, exactly. If you go and look up a tungsten screw that's used in a medical device, um, you're talking, some of them are $100 a screw for the same 
size. Correct. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's a very reasonable price. Now, um, also, even more recently, you have gotten the aluminum ones in stock. They're a really yeah. deep buttonhead style. How many colors do you have? Again, my wife, I, I tell you what. So you have all these colors, and I pick silver. My wife just is like, really? Silver? Why couldn't you do this or that? She goes, your cars are green. Why don't you pick green? I'm like, eh, I just wanted silver. <laughs> so anyways, go go ahead because I'm, I, I mean, I'm holding one right now, and my two millimeter, half of the tip is worn out, but this goes past that to a fresh part of the tip and it's super tight on my two millimeter. Yeah. So we, um, we spent a whole year developing these aluminum screws. Okay. Uh, and we worked with inertia to get these, I mean, really as, as good as we could. And we went through, um, before we found inertia, we went through a couple of different manufacturers um, who said they could do what we wanted, and turns out they couldn't. Okay. So we uh, <laughs> we went through a lot of samples to get the right screws. So a little bit about why the screw is different. Um, so a typical aluminum screw has a two millimeter head. Right. Uh, the inertia screw has a uh, a fifty percent larger head than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, we're allow, uh, allows us to put a deeper hex in there. Yep. So you can have a, a, uh, put your driver in deeper. And also we made the tolerances on the, the hex tighter than most screws. Uh, so our tolerances are, um, I'll have to look at the press release here, but, uh, our tolerances are something like. 25 to 50 percent tighter than most screws darn um for the hex head yep and so one of the comments we got about um about our screws saying they're they're true size and 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 all that um i mean i've i've measured my fair share of screws Mm -hmm. um you know i went through and we found what were deemed by the racers to be the best aluminum screws. And um, it was a, happened to be some screws that I've been using for a while. I'm going to call them Brand X because yep. uh, I'm not trying to bash any companies. Um, it's not my style. Uh, I just try to produce a, a good product. Right. Um, so we were using Brand X for our examples and – all the racers felt that they had the best quality screw. Um, and then we went and made uh, ample provisions off of Brand X. So okay. a lot of the issues with Brand X is that people pop the heads off Yes. Um, with aluminum screws. So uh, part of the reason for that is because there's a small shoulder. Mm-hmm. But the shoulder is the material between uh, the, the start of the threads and the bottom of the hex. Okay. So when they broach it, that material that's in there is, is pretty much what's left. And with Brand X, there's a very small amount of material, so you're able to pop the head off very easily. Yeah. 
So, uh, sorry, real quick, I got a, I just did an experiment, and I got an experiment for the listeners to do. So, with one of these new aluminum inertia screws, put a 564th head into it. It barely fits. Now grab a steel button head screw. It's loose. You know what I mean? That's how much tighter the tolerances are. Sorry, go ahead. I I just was. That's okay. Um, yeah. So we really we really dig the tolerances on these aluminum screws. Um, I wish our steel screws had as good as tolerances as the aluminum ones. They're close, but they're not quite as much um, because we didn't order as many, so we don't get to uh, uh, have them custom made um, essentially. So uh, one of the other unique features of our inertia screw is that they are a true m3 diameter yep um so what that means is that they're the most threads contacting the most threats you can get with a a m3 screw um if you make them any larger than what we have now we find that they they bind and they they will actually break off in the uh the parts you're trying to put them in because the um the threads touch the like the shaft of the screw okay and uh, lastly, the last, uh, well, I guess the second to last unique feature of the inertia screw is that if it's a six mil screw, it's actually six millimeter of the thread. Yep. So some of the screws we were finding, we'll say they're six millimeters long, and they're only five and a half millimeters on actual size. Correct. I, I and was, um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, the screws are true size. Um I do have a question. Um, will you be coming out with a flat head or a cap head screw with the aluminum anytime soon? Um, the flathead countersunks uh, will be here soon. Awesome. Um, we're working on um, getting some uh, additional samples in from okay. the manufacturer to make sure that they are exactly what we would like. And then once the samples pass the test, then we'll bring them in. Awesome. Um, if they don't pass the test, then we'll continue to work with the manufacturer until we find a screw that does. Yeah. And that's cool that their inertia is willing to work with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, we um, it took a while to find a manufacturer that was willing to work with us. Yep. And then it, uh, it took a, more time to get a screw that was... Uh, up to our standards right right i mean i i work in uh i work with steel and aluminum all day and a lot of people do realize but a lot of people don't realize the vast difference of quality steel's not just steel and aluminum's not just aluminum and all that stuff and you'd be shocked at some of the main some main parts in automobiles that we make that are just garbage but anyways <laughs> um yeah so that's uh that's part of why the the screws are um 775 which is yes pretty much the best material you can get for aluminum um for durability and reliability so do you do any processes on them besides anodizing Yes. Um, so that's where the T651 comes in. Okay. 
So uh, I can't exactly divulge the secrets, and right. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't really I, – I, I understand the process is marginally, but not um, – in completion, uh, because I don't I don't use them in a uh, any sense. I just know that they're available, and I've done research on them. Um, and then the engineers from Inertia um, concur that these will be the they're pretty much the best aluminum screws you can you make. Uh, so they go through uh, two other heat treating processes and another. Um, uh, hardening process. Okay. So the T six fifty one refers to the uh, annealing processes or temperature yep. processes, if that's not the right word. Um, um, anneal- annealing's correct. Okay, so um, <clears throat> they go through these processes, and it makes them uh, pretty much as hard as you can make aluminum. Yep. Um, and that's uh, so. These are pretty much the best aluminum screws you could make um, until they come out with a, a new aluminum. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so also your first product was the steel screws. You have that both in button head and flat head and you've been slowly coming out with kits. Are you doing hybrid kits yet? Or, um, I mean, I, I, I've looked, but I, I've looked, but it's like, eh. I, yeah, so I'm uh, right now we have kits for uh, we have advertised kits for the um, any on-road car uh, yep. that uses a metric style screw. Uh, okay. So we don't have um, SAE sizes in yet. Yeah, um, and that is something we're planning on working on in the future, but we don't uh, have them right now. Okay, um, considering most of the RC industry and off-road and on-road is. Uh, metric we decided to start there because that's our core um our core audience real quick question are crc and speed merchant the only sae people left for on road i believe so uh we also have a large drag racer um and uh it's slipping my mind right right now but we have a um drag racer and and another racing um, type uses SAE. Okay. I got you. I got you. Sometimes I forget about other genres of racing. Um, so you, you have kits basically ready to go though, right? Uh, what'd you say, Joe? You have kits for certain vehicles ready to go for a lot of on-road vehicles, right? Yeah, so um, looking at the, um, if you go to our website and click under inertia screws and then screw kits, yep. we've got 12 scales, F1 cars, and touring cars. Nice. Um, so we got Serpent, uh, X-Ray, Yokomo, Automatics, Mugen, Destiny, Schumacher, Team Associated, uh, 3 Racing, Tamaya, Capricorn, uh, Infinity, Express, gizmo and then we even have an option for other Dang. and then we ask you to type in your exact model of your car so uh really any uh any on-road car that uses metric screws we could make a kit for okay um and then we've also had some requests for some off-road kits i made um a few for the yokomo dtm3 
Yep. And another model, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, was it another Yokomo? I believe so. C-A-L-3, maybe? That sounds right. Okay. I think it was for um, for one of our drivers, actually, Fred Perkins. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've been... I've been um, waiting to get a little more time so I can put together a kit for more, for my uh, B6.1 and my mini truggy too. Yeah, so um, the aluminum screws are a great option for not high-stress areas. Right. Obviously, aluminum and steel or titanium even are, are not exchangeable in some areas like the shock tower or some of the bulkhead areas. Correct. Um, but in other areas, like, um, you know, maybe some steering areas or some areas that hold on pieces that don't take such loads, yep. um, they're great for. And I know Fred's been using um, the kits I sent him for about a month now, and I don't think he's broken a screw yet. Nice. Yeah, like I said, I I messed one up, but only because I put it, I tr- I thought I could put it somewhere, and it didn't work, <laughs> just because it was in a high stress, super tight area, and it's like, oh, it's going, and then, oh, man. So, anyways, but. I have a I have a few on my mini truggy. I have it on the top of my diff cover, and I have it in. Um, I have them on my front body mounts and all that stuff. I've been just slowly finding places to put the aluminum. I want to get the steel all over both of my cars because that is a superior screw. Because again, with your steel stuff. Um, it, the the head goes deeper into the driver, and it's more of a true size than what they give you with the kit. So, yeah, and uh, a lot of people, I I guess, are under the the I don't know they they have misinform have been misinformed that titanium is lighter than aluminum, uh, but aluminum is half the weight of a similar titanium screw. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, and obviously titanium has better properties in some aspects and is, is marginally lighter than a steel screw. But, uh, if it were me, I would almost save my money and just use a steel screw and then a, uh, aluminum screw wherever I could. Yep. For sure. For sure. So I have uh, another question. People have asked me, I've never had the answer for because I've only ordered leveled up cables. What's the difference between your regular option and your leveled up option? Yeah, so um, our leveled up option is uh, just a fully sheathed uh, version. So we try to put uh, diagrams on um, all of our products because we do have so many options. Um, and so this helps a lot of our customers, but it's still um, a little bit confusing because we do have so many options. Yeah. So a regular cable is just the middle sheathing. Okay. And then the leveled up is the fully sheathed. Right, right. So just so people know, how many options are you up to now? Uh, we're just at $136 trillion. 
<laughs> oh man. And a few months ago, weren't you in the hundreds of million? So it seems like Yeah, we uh added. we added a few more options and um it seemed to really a lot of guys really seem to uh, be digging it. And uh, the main options we did were some some connectors we added, some uh, different balance connectors. So there's some different types there. But uh, mainly it was the heat shrink on the positive and negative ends. So we went from just being uh, red or white on the positive side to offering um, – two colors on the positive side and two colors on the negative side. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I, I have all, all of your cables for everything, including my phone chargers, and I won't buy anything else. Uh, I'm actually going to buy a 10-foot cable for me here pretty quick. Next order I make because, I don't know, a 6-foot, yeah, it's longer, but it's not quite. So I plug my phone in a ways away from my bed and it's like yeah i'd like that little bit more so i can look at my phone in bed um Heck yeah i uh i have a 10 foot cable my i have a um mine charges right next to the bed it's like a foot away from the bed uh, but it's nice because you can use it in bed and and you don't have to be uh confined to leaning over and then your back's hurt and you're like oh i'm just gonna go to bed correct correct yeah it's it's <laughs> I mean, and, and people at work have seen it, and I've tried to convey to them what it is. And I'm Zach. I'm going to say this the nicest way possible. I work with um, I work with people who have issues figuring things out. On it's like a, I'll show them a web page, but they can't figure out how it works. But they, they love the cable. They see my cable hanging from the wall, and they're like, oh, it's because with the regular phone cables with where all the outlets are and where we rest our phones, a lot of people's phones are dangling when mine's sitting flat on the table with the six uh-huh. And the sheathing is awesome, and the shrink tube is uh, They're super strong. You're not, I mean, I've showed you, I, I've sent you a picture of how filthy my one phone cable is, <laughs> and that thing's still kicking. So. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, again, we went through a ton of different uh, manufacturers to get the, the cables we have now. Um, and the reason we went from our latest manufacturer, or well, the previous 2019 to 2020, is because of the iPhones. So the iPhones have, uh, because of the plastic end on them, they don't make a metal end like a micro USB or a USB Type C. Mm-hmm. They're more prone to, to breaking or uh, having issues. So we went to a new manufacturer again after we found this um, in the production run, and we, um, as soon as we found a new manuf- or before we found a new manufacturer, we stopped selling the bad sizes that we knew weren't working. Okay, and then. Um, and then we, in, um, once we got the new ones in, then we started telling the, the iPhone stylus again. But we haven't had any issues um, with the micro or the USB Type C, and we haven't. We've only had one issue with the iPhone so far not working. Well, um, not so one out of I've probably sold a hundred so far. That's 
that's pretty decent. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, what, oh, you're also getting into the sensor wire game now. Yeah. Um, so uh, real quick before we, we go to that, I'd like to talk about uh, our warranty program. So we do have a warranty program for all of our uh, charging products. Okay. Um, and it's located on the top of our website if you go there. Um, the phone charge lead, oh, we have a, um, one for that as well as for the balance charge lead. And for another um, option, heated lipo safe. Um, and if we find that we need a warranty program for other of our products, we can always include those. Yep. Um, but also, you can repair. Like, I screwed up one of my bullets on your charge lead. And for a minimum fee, you would just, because I'm the one who screwed it up. It wasn't you guys. But for a minimum fee, you guys could fix it basically dirt cheap yeah so uh we do offer um we do offer to fix uh our products we don't work on other companies products right um and that's something i i stand strong with um and that's part of our upgrade program um and so it's it's just kind of incorporated in there um so we could resheathe or put a different connector on there or whatever the situation may be um now some of the cases it's it's cheaper for a person to buy a new cable than it is for us to fix their old one because uh i I mean we have time in making them and and oftentimes it's more work to take them apart or we can't use the parts that we took off your old one to put on the new one sure sure so anyways so you yeah, the sensor wires. Sensor wires. They. It looks like you have a lot of options of those, and they look. I mean, everybody who races anything electric, sensor wires have been an issue since the day brushless has come out. So. Yeah, so we offer them in any of our twenty plus sheathing colors, and we have six heat shrink colors as well. Okay. Um, and so we offer them in, in three styles, if you will. We offer them in the Wolf style, yep. uh, the regular style, which is just a regular sensor wire. And then we offer them in the um, Level Up Wolf style, which is – so um, real quick, a Wolf style is kind of something we've dubbed as the most durable form we could possibly make anything. Ah. Um, and so that goes with any of our charge leads. Um or the sensor wires. Uh, there's various other products like the heated lipo safe and and things like that. Okay. Uh, so it's the most durable we can make them, and so the sensor wires aren't an exception. They are um, as durable as we can make a sensor wire. Now you are using um, very small wire and a very small connector, so there's some limitation to that. And because of how the connector plugs into the sensor board, uh, you only can make them so durable. Right. Um, but you're making but yes, an we offer, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, you're making an attempt to make them stronger, and you are making them stronger. And yeah, so they, I mean, we can't, um, I'm not going to say they're indestructible because they, um, you know, if you want to break something, you could break something. But um, for regular wear and tear, one of our, uh, the first customer who orders some prototype ones has been using them for over six months and he does bi-weekly rebuilds and he was going through a sensor wire a month before. Yep. I, I think I know who you're talking about and he was, 
Um, he's a newer racer too, and he's getting way better. But when he first got him, he wasn't so easy on everything. Still learning type situation, and they've lasted a very long time for him. So, yeah, um, some people are heavy-handed, and we try to. Um, I mean, you know, some people like to be a little more rough on things, and that's okay. Um, and so we offer uh, the regular sensor wires. We offer that start at $4. The, um, the Wolf style, which is the more durable style, we offer for $7. And then the leveled up Wolf style, which is the fully sheathed, more durable version, yeah, is uh, they start at $9. You know, on my cars, I'm going to maybe have to change the option of how I run my sensor wires and get the fully sheathed wolf cables because that sounds way better than what I have going now. I, In all my vehicles this year, I've had at least two cables pop on me. And it's always like a stupid wire in the middle just comes out a little bit and that there goes that sensor wire. So, and the worst thing is when it happens to you right before the race, and you got to scramble and try and make it up there. Oh yeah, um, I had one happen. Oh, I want to say, yeah, it was during a race. I, I just dealt. I was freaking out in my head. The week prior, I had an ESC and a motor pop in two separate incidences. And then I'm like, oh, man, this feels like this ESC is about to pop. It felt, the car felt horrible and all that ends in the middle of a race. And, you know, it, it'll wreck a race for sure. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to order some of those leveled up ones. That sounds like an awesome deal. Uh, real quick, I would like you to remind people the positives of a warming bag over a discharge bank. Because you yeah, sell so, nice warming bags. I'm going to maybe have to order another one with the sheathing color that I'm using now. Yeah. Um, so uh, to make it short, uh, we have a couple uh, more lengthy videos describing all the positives of warming um, your LiPo over discharging. Mm -hmm. um, in short, discharging um, from a... We had an independent person use their, and we used their data, um, do testing with a discharge bank versus discharging and heating, and to see what provided the best outcome. So a lot of people don't even know about the discharge curve right. of a battery. They they completely forget about that, mm -hmm. and they're only concerned with IR. Yep. And uh, my argument is that discharge curve below. Once you get your battery to 2.0 IR, which most batteries nowadays are, yeah. Um, once you get your battery below 2.0 IR, the discharge curve comes in um, and is more important than a lower IR. Okay. So the discharge curve is the amount of fade you get throughout a run mm -hmm. from your battery. Um, and so I don't have to tell you less fade is faster laps. All right, right. Um. And a lot of times, more punch does not equal faster laps, and sometimes it does. But um, to a point, you can't gain any more punch. So I'm gonna I, on on road. I'm gonna say anything below one and a half. Yep. 
um, punch wise, I can't really tell. Um, okay. I, you know, I've been around the block a few times, but, right. um, obviously my batteries do get below, uh, below that, but I use, um, a practice pack and the IR is two <clears throat> and I put it in the heated lipo safe and it, I do my standard practice and it, and it works very well. So, um, onto the benefits of the heated lipo safe versus the discharge bank, uh, just real quick. Uh, the heated liposafe provides a flatter discharge curve than a discharge bank um, because of the process we're allowed to put them through and being able to control when the heat is applied and how high it gets and how long it is applied. Um, the IR is very similar. Um, some people report that the IR in a discharge bank is marginally lower, um, a tenth or two. Uh, but again, we're That's talking if it's 0.5 to 0.7 is that I, I think that's fine because you're gaining on the discharger. Yep. Um, so you gain a charger port back on your discharger, on your uh, charger, because you don't have to plug in your discharger, or if you got a standalone unit, you don't have to worry about getting that thing near anything or anything like that. Uh, your prep time goes down, and you don't have to worry about, okay, I'm going to be up in 30 minutes, I better get this going, or else I'm not going to make the heat or whatever yeah um you don't have to worry about any of that and uh of course it's a lot safer so right. batteries catch fire and explode because of the high discharge not because of the heat right unless right. you're talking on anything over 140 uh temperatures over 140 do hurt the batteries yeah. um your your which is why is 104 right yeah so it's uh cyclical um which means that it bounces between um, the heating element itself bounces between 110 and 100, um, which gets the battery to about 110 on average. Okay, okay. Um, um, what do you like to charge your battery at after you've discharged it? To, what do you bring it down to? 3.5 a cell, maybe? Um, so I don't discharge my batteries ever. Okay. Uh, unless I didn't get a chance to run them for whatever reason. Okay. So I have a standard iCharger 406, the yep. orange one, I believe. Yep. And uh, what I do is I typically go out and run, uh, so practice or mains or, or whatever, and the voltage per cell typically is about 3.85 yep. uh, after a six-minute run. And then uh, if they're at 3.85, I leave them, and I don't touch them if they're... Three nine, I'll, I'll leave them. But if they're anything higher than that, I'll uh, discharge them down to to three eight okay. per cell. Gotcha. All right. But uh, some guys asked me about um, like what my process is. Yep. So I found the best process to use a heated lipo safe it, for my applications. Um, at least is to put the battery in there twenty minutes before um, you want to charge it. And then uh, I charge mine at 20 amps. Uh, some guys like charging them at 40 still. Some guys like charging them at 10. Um, as long as it's fully charged before your race is done, or your next race is up, rather, yep. uh, you're good to go. And then um, I take it out, uh, the battery out, as I get my car ready, which is about 5 to 10 minutes before I go on the track. Okay. Gotcha. Um, let's see here. Yeah, that's about all for 
your products that I have listed. Is there anything else you'd like to cover on your products? Um, we do offer, I, I talked a, a little bit earlier, um, we do offer uh, upgrade kits for various things. Yeah. And one of those is a charger upgrade kit for the iCharger or um, GFX as well. We offer them for a variety of other chargers. Okay. Um, and essentially, we either replace uh, for the, if it's like the GFX, yep. um, we can either sheath it or we can actually replace the leads <clears throat> and excuse me, uh, customize them to your needs. And a lot of the guys find that their chargers actually work a lot better with our leads on them. Okay. And then what we do for the iCharger is we replace the EC5 connector uh, straight with four millimeter connectors. So. Uh, we can customize the length and all that stuff on there as well. Right, right. Yeah, I have to send mine in once I get a couple weeks off. So I, I, I really like the sound of that. It's just I hate plugging in that EC5 connector over and over again. It's just a, such a tight plug. When I unplug them, even though I'm holding the connectors, I feel like something could bust in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's one of the downfalls of the connectors. Another, um, another connection is another area to go wrong. And the EC5s are good connectors, but they don't look very nice. Um, that's correct. which is my primary concern. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right about that one. Um, so you stayed this year running the Gizmo car, and I've seen you. You've been. Uh, building a new one how's that one been running have you ran the new car where it's uh the motors or the belts are the same length right yeah so um gizmo's been developing um a mid-motor car for uh, well over a year now um and we finally finished the prototypes and the uh i guess production run of okay. them and a lot of guys uh have been using them and been sending really great feedback and it seems like um a few other of the manufacturers in the industry decided they like our design so much that they borrow some aspects of it uh so i think that's flattering yeah, um sure. <clears throat> but the the car itself is really good um i ran the car for the second time at the Southern Nationals, which is um, a fairly prestigious race. It is a national level race where they get, uh, I think there was 200 entries or so. That's big for on-road <clears throat> right now. What's that? That's big for on-road right now. Yeah, um, and some of the best in the country were there. And I was able to, um, I think I qualified eighth and stock touring car with it and fourth and USGT with it okay so are they still doing stock as 17.5 uh I think so um there's so much uh I wish uh everyone would get on the same page it seems I've had to uh I actually had to put down the computer uh and my phone and and stop messaging because I was uh getting flustered that People would recognize that the handouts or the the turnouts from a handout motor are better, but they still want to run seventeen five. Yeah. Um, so that's a little weird to me. So here in uh, Louisville, 
yep. and in um, Indiana, I have seen stock be 21.5 during a car. That's what's turning um, into here. And I think it's great because it means, like, some guys like USGT, but mm-hmm. they, uh, for the speed and the looks, um, and with 21.5 being the same motor in both, they're uh, close to the same speed as a 21.5 touring car, a USGT and, yep. and 21.5 touring car. And uh, so typically they, they run together unless there's like a bunch of them. Okay. Um, but then um, the issue with 17.5 is that it, it is a lot faster than USGT. Uh, on a big Way track, faster. it can be more than five tenths a lot faster. Yes. Um, so with tracks going to 21.5 touring car, it does quite a few things. Um, guys that would normally run USGT are now running 21.5 touring car. Mm-hmm. And it also makes um, the cost of racing less. Yeah. So for some reason, if like uh, all the guys in USGT don't show up, you can throw on a set of tires and a body and you can go run touring car or vice versa. Right, right. Well, um, I, that, that kind of brings me into the next thing. So what's then? Then what's your opinion on like a fixed timing motor? Not uh, not twenty one five, but let's say a seventeen five fixed timing for stock. Um, we've been doing it around here. I haven't done it yet, but people are saying it's the same speed as twenty one five open motor, and the motor itself's a lot cheaper. It's like fifty five dollars. Yeah, I think it's uh, honestly. I think it's great. I I would love to be a handout, uh, go to be like a handout class, like USGT is becoming. Yeah. Uh, now with Paul's motor, um, because I can go to any track in the country and not have to worry about it. Right. Um, now with the open motor, I honestly didn't have a problem with until a few years ago, until the motor wars started happening and like right. companies started coming out with wire that's not legal or another reason the motor isn't legal this or that and they're just slipping them into the production run yeah. and then at, you know that's not stock racing no at the associated race in milwaukee uh they use paul lemieux's spec deal uh t- the his tech deal in mm-hmm. a bunch of the same motors got flagged and they were off the shelf they weren't all team motors and back in the day when you saw motors get flagged they were team motors pushing the limits that still is going on um there's still people um again not naming any names but i've seen motors that i i know are not from the factory i there i know they're made at the event Right. Um, and I, I don't really want to discuss how I know that or anything like that because I'm not trying to bash any of the companies, and I'm afraid if I talk about it too much, I'll, I'll uh, you'll divulge too much information. Yeah, I'm try. I try not to be that guy. Um, but there, uh, I mean, any you go ask anybody in the Arnold side of it, and they know of at least one instance where they've bought a motor or somebody they know has bought a motor and it's not legal uh, for reason X, Y, Z. Yep. 
and I think that's that's despicable. I don't think that's that's right. Um, I mean, yeah, it sucks when your average guy buys a motor and it's not legal. It, yeah, so I think, um, and that's why I think the handout motor is nice. I'm, yeah, it's not that I'm for like um, punishing motor manufacturers, although I think they've they've kind of done it to themselves. You're right about that. Um, but I. And I think there's ways that motor manufacturers can survive and, and thrive um, in in a spec handout world. And I think it would be um, honestly, I think it'd be easier for me um, if we could go and say, we, so like Roar does now, well tries to do. Um, oh boy, uh, sorry, I was gonna go off on a tangent. Uh, yeah, anyway, no, so what okay. Roar tries to do, we could do with. Um, a handout style motor uh, across the country and seriously reduce costs of a lot of stuff and then going by a, a fixed gear per track um, so guys don't have to worry about that and just you know make sure your gear ratio is proper uh, drop a motor in real quick and um, you're good to go wherever yeah well I mean that's the way stock racing used to be well not with the fixed gearing but it used to be your timing was locked at 24 degrees. Your armature had to be, and this is brush, so it's way different. But your armature armature had to be within a certain spec. You could only do so much. Everything had to fit in a tight box. And I think when the brushless thing happened, I think it was a bad move to allow adjustable timing in different rotor sizes. In my opinion, it should be a lock timing and pick a rotor diameter. I don't care just as long as they're all the same. And then the wire diameter, the legal size is there. They just change it halfway through a production run when no one's looking. And quite honestly, for somebody like me, I, I like racing. Yeah. I don't, you know, let's go get a, a silver can motors set a you know pick a uh, a gear ratio and let's go race and, and I'll have fun that way right. I really enjoy racing and for me I really when brushless motors really started to get into it um, like tuning and all that uh, about six years ago I really enjoyed that aspect of it and I really enjoyed tuning with it because it was another part of the car yep. um, and now it's becoming so uh, elaborate that it's turning away people and uh for multiple reasons the complexity of it but also uh the price point of it you gotta have i mean you don't have to have but you you know you go buy a 150 dollars motor yep. and then you you know there's some manufacturers that then sell you know you gotta buy the aluminum screw kit and you gotta buy the high torque rotor and you gotta do this and you got and ceramic bearings and then you got a 400 paperweight because it just was deemed illegal right i've been through that several times since the d3.5 so and uh, by no means am i saying that i think either way could be a cheap form of racing yes but if every track is doing a different handout motor handout racing is not any cheaper than um buying a motor of a month or whatever people want to call it you're you're right and 
that's 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 the motor of the month has always happened, but it used to be cheaper. <laughs> uh, they they yeah. were one hundred and fifty dollar motors, but anyways, yeah, let's it's it is what it is for now. But yeah, I I wish that they just do fix fix everything and then go from there. But anyways, so. Speaking of motors and batteries, are you still sticking with Phantom for 2020? Uh, yeah. So I um I like working with Phantom. Um, I've known Jeff and Troy since I was a kid. They're good um, guys. When I first started out racing. Yeah. Yeah. They. Um. When I ran their stuff a lot, they helped me out with everything, and I'm nobody, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, I really, um, I enjoy their support, and I'm, um, you know, I like the product that they have given me to run. Um, you know, I, I ran uh, 21.5 at Southern Nationals, was uh, open motor, and it were approved, and I ran the Phantom toward 21.5, awesome. um, and it was great. I had, I, I mean, I showed up with a brand new untested motor. I was able to put it in the show, and I don't know, um, for me being kind of, uh, I, I mean, I'm certainly uh, at least as confident as the average Joe, Yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm maybe not a national champion level. Um, I think that's that's really what I, I aim for. Awesome. I, I think you fall somewhere in between there, between the national champion and average Joe. I think, I think you... Um, are more of an advanced racer from what I've heard from you, the way you talk and all that. Um, I, I think my, um, my mechanic skills outweigh my driving skills. Sometimes, <laughs> mm, you know, talent and drive go together, but man, I'll tell you what drive can beat talent a lot of the time. If, yeah, I mean, if you're sitting there putting the work in in the pits, and the guy next to you, he might be a better driver, but his stuff's junk. You're gonna beat the crap out of that guy on the track. I mean, you, you have to work hard. And well, and I think that's one of the aspects that's not helping Onroad at the moment. Um, and I, I hate to say that because I really I love Onroad, but you have to be able to set up a car, and right. that takes a little time and knowledge. Um, and it's certainly available out there. The knowledge is out there. Um, and I'm one of the people that try to share. And I know there's a, tons of other guys that love to share the knowledge. As long as somebody goes up and asks them for help, um, or even help, you know, they'll set up your car for you and, and really go through it and, and make sure it's the very best that it, it could be. But it's kind of up to that new racer to come up to people and, and ask for help. Yep. Yep. Um, I find that when I go um, offer help, uh, it is uh, I often come off as um, condescending or cocky, and I'm, I'm really just trying to help somebody out get better um, at the hobby so they, they stick around because I can see after their the fourth DNF, they're not having a good time. Right. And, you know, it, it is tough taking advice because you yourself have worked the, the the guy you're trying to help 
he's worked so hard on the vehicle himself and he's trying to figure it out and then you come at him not I, I mean I bet you go at a person as nice as can be but they're frustrated and all that stuff I mean I I try to help at least one or two people every time I go to the track but you know what sometimes I receive help from people actually a lot of the times I receive help from higher level racers than myself so it's it's a cyclical thing you you have to help people and you you have to be willing to take help too and it's I've, I've been racing for 31 years it's so hard for me to take help but sometimes I have to one thing I've noticed one thing I've noticed to make racing easier though more like foam racing have you seen the new automatic tire truer I did oh that thing is sweet hey Joe give me one second I'll be right back I'll pause it alright we're back and you probably even noticed because I hit pause and unpause at the same second (laughs) so anyways about this tire truer now I'm looking at it, and it looks like it rounds the outside edge for you. It puts a little bit of built-in camber in it for you. I mean, it's going to cost. I, I haven't looked at the price. I just saw the YouTube video. I'm sure it's going to cost a ton of money, but right there, that makes things so much easier on 12-scale racers and A-scale on-road racers and what have you. Have you seen one of these in person? No, have you? I have not. I, like I want I said, to. Um, I've seen the video. It looks like it works, but they probably, you know, it could have been done in multiple takes and for them to figure it out and all that stuff. But And that's one of those things. I think somebody has a really good idea, but uh, I think the price point might take some people away from it um, because you can get a decent tire truer for like, I don't know, less than two hundred bucks. Yeah, I bet that thing costs a thousand bucks. The hoodies, I like think it costs fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Ooh, but man, that's a sweet piece of candy that does a lot of work. It is very nice looking. I mean, a lot of these guys have the hoodie truer, which is four or five hundred dollars, depending on what you get with it. So, yeah, it's triple the price of a hoodie. I bet you. Uh, uh, I, I believe I saw it for that price. Uh, don't quote me, but I think it's it, it's in the ballpark at least. Oh, I'm I'm sure you're right on. But it is awesome. There's a lot of automation in it. Um, but yeah, people are trying to get foam racing in general back going again. Did you see? So Donnie Leah, he's main. I believe he's mainly a twelve scale guy. He does do a little sedan and whatnot, and he owns 360 V2 track in Rochelle, New York. Did you see he put that uh, European gray carpet in? Yeah, um, and he um, he did that for the, the NYGP. Yes. And it was uh, actually really interesting um, because I couldn't find anybody talking about the NYGP after it happened. Right. Um, and even I was talking to some guys that went there, and they didn't really want to talk about what had happened there. Really? Um, and so Donnie released a video 
Um, uh, maybe a month ago now. Yep. And the what they found with the carpet, they used the Track GT, if I'm remembering correctly. Something like that. Uh, is that it, because we use a natural rubber on our touring car tires, uh, it was essentially making too much grip in the track, and then other cars that use a synthetic rubber, yep. um, like 12 scales and, and F1 USGT and that, okay. uh, they picked up this, this rubber as well, and so all the cars were experiencing a serious uh, lack of rear-end grip halfway through the run. Oh, see, I I only saw to where when the carpet stopped fuzzing up and the 12 scales were running just fine without glue on the front of the tires and I believe the touring car. But then didn't you say something about um, the regular touring car tires getting not melted, but what's a better word? Basically, the SXT with that carpet is not a good combination for touring car tires. Well, what he found is it wasn't actually the SXT. It was the tires okay. themselves. So they they have since switched to a synthetic rubber. Okay. And um, I believe they haven't had any issue. Okay. Um, but I haven't really been trying to keep up with it or anything like that. Um, so I don't know if they're gluing um, or if. They are, um, if the issue has been fixed, um, or, or anything like that. Yeah, I, I've been interested in myself because that's one of the reasons I shy away from on-road racing is because of the tire prep. It's tire prep, you, you have to do it with everything you race. It's just how much you do with whatever. Or how you, precise you have to be. Right, and with 12 scale, you have to be right on. I'm not sure about touring car. Touring car, um, I'm down. So um, for the listeners that don't know, um, when you race on black carpet um, and touring car, you need to glue the front of your tires. Yes. Uh, With minimal exception. There's almost no, there's only one track I've been to that's black carpet that I didn't have to glue my front tires in order for my car not to tracks roll. Okay. So um, I'm to the point in my setup that I'm looking for within a quarter millimeter of glue. Wow. So when I go up on glue, uh, so say if my car is a little tippy at 58 millimeters of glue, I'll go to 58 and a quarter. Oh. Or if if I'm not traction rolling, I'll go down to 57 and three quarters. That is very fine dialing. Do you use, um, I know somebody made a jig. Are you using that to glue your tires? I am. And then I get a rough, uh, well, it ends up being a rough size is what I get with that. And then I finish it off with the tire sander because okay. uh, between how I mark it and my how I can glue it, there's only so accurate I can do both of those. And so with the tire sander, I'm able to take off tenths of millimeters until I get to the the diameter I want. Awesome. Yeah. I was, like I said, I was just curious about <coughs> your thoughts on, I, I saw that it just wasn't working with the sedan and the tires he was using, but I'm glad they figured it out and 
you know, hopefully it'll catch on around here because they've been using that in the UK for 15 years now. Yeah, I would love to not have to glue tires anymore. Um, oh, that, that would be amazing. Oh, it would be. It'd be awesome. Um, let's see here. That's about all I have in my notes. Should we go to... I got a couple of listener questions here. Um, I'll pull them up here. I screenshot them, and for some reason, everything... There it is. Everything was jumbled. All right, we got two questions. Um, one from Pete Phillips. Does Donathan make battery connector adapters? Yes. Um, pretty much every style. Right. Um, so if you, uh, for instance, if you, so we have a retail website, DonathanRC.com. Yes. Um, um, and I'm sure you could... Uh, just Google that. Um, I'll also put it in the show notes. Yeah, and I... Uh, so I answered this question, and I forgot to talk about something at the beginning of the podcast I wanted to talk about. Oh, go um, for it. Go for it. Uh, um, so actually, we set up a coupon code for listeners for this podcast. Uh-huh. And I wanted to talk about it at the beginning of the podcast, and I okay. completely forgot. I, I, you know, we talked about it, and I kind of it slipped my mind also. So, if you order on the uh, DRC website, um, once you have the items in your cart, you click on View Cart, and then you go down to the coupon code, and the coupon code uh, is J or Joe Z Junior. So it's J O E J or J O J O E Z J R. Yep. And that is the coupon code. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, see what comes of that coupon code. Um, that brings me to the next question from Jason Chenard. Are you um, going... Hold on a second, Joe. I didn't, an- I didn't get to answer the first one. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, you're so right. So the... Um, to finish up, the coupon code is ten percent off an order of, of twenty five dollars or more, uh, with use with the website only. So uh, while we're on the website, if you go, um, the first category is custom charge leads. The first category under that is charge adapters. If you click on that, we have a variety of adapters, um, including balance adapters, charge adapters, male to female adapters. Um, uh, female to RX adapters, so you can use like a regular charge lead to charge your um, receiver pack or transmitter pack. And then we also have synchronous charge lead adapters. Okay. That's awesome. Um, all right. Let's see here. Jason Chenard, he's asking, are you going to have any Cyber Monday deals coming up? Yes, so we will have um, something on Friday, Saturday, and uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Okay. Um, and we will announce those um, the, on the day that they are available. Um, so I, I don't uh, want to divulge too much, but it'll be um, our popular products will be available on sale. Um, we'll have one product per day. So on Friday, we'll have a product. And then the sale will end Friday at midnight, and then uh, Saturday at um, 
12.01. We'll have a new sale until uh, Saturday at midnight and so on. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, even though I'm a team member and I'm not eligible to receive the discounts, I can't wait to blast them out there myself because yeah, it's fun to see what you come up with. Are you having a 3,900-page-like giveaway here soon, too? Uh, we're having a, a 3,700-page-like giveaway um, okay. actually on December um, 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Uh, so we hit 30. Um, so we kind of – it goes in spurts. We get page likes, and, and it seems like 200 increments uh-huh. uh, within a few days. So um, we had our 3,600 page like giveaway gotcha. um, in which we gave away a customized uh, charging cable. And then we didn't have really any page likes for a couple weeks. And then – like two weeks later, we had 200 page likes. Nice. Uh, so we're we're at like oh, we're pushing like 3850 right now. Yep. Um, but our next giveaway will be on December 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. Um, and all you have to do to qualify to enter for that is to like the DRC Facebook page uh, or Instagram page, share the post, and tag a friend, and that qualifies you to enter a free customized charge light. That is excellent. And obviously, another thing um, team members are not eligible for. But Yeah, it's it's one of those things um, that we would love to be able to give away product for everyone. But you, uh, we try to reserve the custom giveaways or the, the giveaway products for um, people that are either do not have products from DRC or who are um, supporters of the product. Right. No, I, I totally get it. It's just, it, it's an excellent way to get new customers in the door because let's say they win one lead. Well, most people have a eye charger with two spots to plug leads into and keep on building and building because... I bought my first one, and right away I bought a second one, and then I bought the EC5 connector to the power supply, and I just kept on buying and buying because it's, you know, besides the cables being very durable and whatnot, they look cool, and it's fun to customize your stuff. It really is. So. Yeah, so uh, we actually are uh, proud to announce no one has broken a wolf cable yet, uh, which is the most durable form of charging we offer. So right. typically when guys, um, they'll ask me, like, what, um, you know, like, what, why do people buy? So uh, I guess I should preface this with one of our, our unique statistics is that we have a high retention rate for customers. Yes. So... Something like 90% of our customers that buy from us buy again and so on. And it's uh, we have a pretty high retention rate, which I'm very happy with. Um, and I think that's because of the quality and the product uh, that we put in. Right. Uh, it is excellent. Um, so a lot of times guys buy another charge lead from us because um, – like they they race in some harsh conditions, so like there's some stuff that guys use for like traction compound that gets that like destroys um, the colors on sheathing. 
Um, and then there's, you know, you're using a black grease or something. And then the next thing you know, you got it all over everything, including your charge lead. And so eventually the charge leads just get dirty. Um, just kind of something that happens. Um, and so guys end up buying another one because they, they like keeping their pit looking fresh. Um, and another reason guys buy another one is because just like you, Joe, they've changed colors and they want them to match. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's it's just excellent. And like I said, the wolf cables and the leveled up wolf cables, man, they're just about the best thing you can do. Um, so I, I did have a question. So you said you do a leveled up wolf style for the um, heating bag. Mm-hmm. So do you just add, I think I have a regular one with sheathing. I don't think it's leveled up. I it was over a year since I bought it, so I'm not exactly sure. But I think I bought the cheapest option was sheathing. So what do you do? You just sheath it and um, do the shrink wrap at the ends and all the other stuff for for the for wolf. the leveled up wolf style. So we sheath it completely, and yep. then we um, we reinforce the the connector areas. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to reorder a new bag then because I need a wolf style. <laughs> well, you're always welcome to send it in to us, and we can always upgrade it for you. For sure. For sure. All right. Um, I think that's about all we have tonight. Um, remember, listeners, enter in code J O E Z J R at checkout to get 10% off of a order $25 or and over check out Donathan Racing products at donathanracing.com is that correct it's just uh, donathanrc.com donathanrc.com I did not have it in front of me sorry that's okay uh, if you google us we'll come up um, if you have any questions you're welcome to hit us up on Instagram Facebook Email, text, at the track, um, any of our drivers. Um, they're all very friendly and helpful. Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just joined the team myself, and everybody in the team page is, they're, they're excellent people. So, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited to make my next order because there's a few things I'm going to have to get now because sensor wires, screws, a new warming bag man it's it's gonna be uh <laughs> good around here <laughs> all right i'm joser jr and tonight with me was zach donathan and we've ran out of talent